Lord Kelvin's second law of thermodynamics goes something like this. Matter always goes from order to disorder. The second law of thermodynamics affirms that everything ultimately decays and falls apart. For example, nothing stays as fresh as the day you buy it. Even clothes decay and become threadbare and returns to dust. Everything ages. Everything wears out. That's the second law of thermodynamics. Well, I have come up with a new law, and it is my invention, so please don't say, where did you get that from? I made it up. It's the second law of Christian dynamics, and it works exact opposite to the second law of thermodynamics, the exact opposite. So what is Yusuf's second law of Christian dynamics? Let me tell you about it. (laughs) The law of Christian dynamics works this way in the believer's life, in the believer's life, because I know some of you are saying, what's the first law? I'm going to tell you that at the end. (laughs) So keep listening. The second law of Christian dynamics says this, that a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, for him or for her, things go from disorder to order, that things go from the pit to the highest height. For the obedient children of the living God, they progressively become less like themselves and more like Christ that for the obedient children of the living God, they gradually go from disobedience to total surrender, that the believers in Jesus Christ, their bodies may decay, but their spirit soars. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ go from power to greater power. They go from strength to greater strength, and they go from one point of glory into another. That is the second law of Christian dynamics. It's almost redundancy to say that we all face challenges in life. You face challenges, I face challenges, and your challenges are different from mine. We all face different types of challenges, but we all face challenges in life. There may be ups and there may be downs, but for the children of the living God, they always go forward. There may be ups and there may be downs. There may be stops and there may be starts, but always onward. There may be joys and sorrows, but always upward. There may be failure and success, but always improving. There may be difficulties and ease, but always progressing. That's the second law of Christian dynamics in a believer's life. I want you to listen to me very carefully, please. Next to our personal experience in experiencing this law of God, this biblical principle, Jacob's life is a laboratory in which we see clearly this second law of Christian dynamics work. God speaks to him, and he becomes passionate about God. He cannot wait to serve God. He cannot wait to do things to glorify God. And then he gets busy making a living, and he forgets about God. And then he faces a crisis in his life, and 
immediately he comes back to God, and God renews him. God blesses him. God's grace overwhelms him, and soon he becomes passionate about God again. But not so long after that, he gets busy in his old ways. We've seen it throughout the series of messages, into taking things into his own hands, planning his own future, strategizing on what is best for Jacob, and turning a deaf ear to the voice of God, and even forgetting his vows and promises that he made to God. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Does this sound, well, am I the only one who, no, that's all right. Without a doubt, Jacob, in my experience at least, is a portrait of a Christian. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I often find that I'm asking myself the question, <laughs> why couldn't I be a mighty prayer warrior for God all the time? I think if I be a mighty prayer warrior for God in the times when I'm not facing a crisis, as in the time when I'm facing a crisis, I think we'll be in business. <laughs> And I'm sure probably it's the same with you. So turn with me, and I'm going to show you from Genesis 35. And there you're going to find Jacob in one of these crises in his life, one of this incredible crisis. And this time, God is going to ignite a passion for him and a passion for God that will last for the rest of his life. Let me remind you that at this point of his life, Jacob allowed the material attraction of Shechem to keep him from being in Bethel. Now, you have to understand the symbolism here, because Bethel in Jacob's life represents the presence of God. Bethel in Jacob's life represents the blessing of God. Bethel in Jacob's life represents the leadership of God in his life every day. And so in Shechem there may have been material success and material possessions and material gain. Oh, but there was a spiritual loss. In Shechem there may have been many business deals to be had, but there he got so busy that he abandoned his parental responsibilities, and he created a mess in the lives of his children. In Shechem, there may have been opportunities to go upward and forward, humanly speaking, materially speaking, but his family disintegrated into chaos and mayhem with rapes and death and murder and killing. And so, here once again, you see, the second law of Christian dynamics operating. God's grace is manifested yet again. God's grace overwhelms Jacob's sin yet again. God's grace is calling him back once more. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Listen carefully. Where you are spiritually right now, only you and God know it. I think sometimes the dearest and the nearest perhaps don't. Where you are right now, whether you are in a deliberate sin, whether you are in a deliberate disobedience, whether you are in an ungodly relationship, whether you are talking 
and behaving and living like an unbeliever, whether you are taking things into your own hands, whether you are doing your will instead of the will of God, whatever you may be, whatever you may be, I want to declare to you that God is calling you yet again. God's grace is inviting you again. God's arms are open for you again. You may be too busy for God, making a living and missing out on life. You may be too busy doing your thing while your family is spiritually disintegrating. You may be too busy pleasing yourself, yet your soul is rusting within. Your spirit is dying within and drying up. Your Christian walk is halted. And here is the good news. The God who called Jacob yet again is calling you again. Will you respond? Look at verse 1 of Genesis 35. Here, when you come, we're coming almost toward the end of this series of messages on Jacob. And probably most of us would have expected God to be saying, Jacob, you have blown it too many times. <laughs> Jacob, I've had enough of you. Jacob, for how long? I'm going to keep reaching out to you. Jacob, my patience run out. I'm so glad that God doesn't do that with me, don't you? But listen to what God said. After all of this, here's the voice of God. 35.1, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Before I get carried away, let me give you three things so that you can put your arms around this second law of Christian dynamics. Three blessings that you can claim in the times when you're hemmed in. First of all, remember God's past blessings. Secondly, release false idols in your life. And thirdly, reaffirm God's covenant with you as God reaffirms His covenant with you. Remember, God's past blessings. At this point of Jacob's life, he was really cut off from the back, his uncle Laban. And there in front of him, there's his brother Esau, whom he really did not want to go and be near him. After they reconciled, they said, I'm not going to stay close to him. And where he is right now, physically where he is, in Shechem, he's in trouble. His boys just killed the Shechemites, if I can call them that, and they are out to destroy Jacob and his children. I mean, if you can think of a horrible scenario, this is it. From the back, he's got Laban. In the front, he's got Esau. Where he is, the Shechemites want to kill him. It's pathetic, to say the least. He is so hemmed in because his boys brought shame and dishonor to Jacob. Let me tell you something, my beloved friend. I've been in times when I felt hemmed in from the front, from the back, and right where I am. And I can tell you from my personal, I can testify to you. In the times when you feel hemmed in, the first thing you must never do is panic. <laughs> and you must never fret. It is time for you to sit down and begin to remember God's past blessings to you. Sit down with a piece of paper and write them all out. If you can't remember them in your memory, write them out. Begin to write the blessings of God in the past. 
And as soon as Jacob heard the voice of God calling him once again, as soon as he heard the grace of God reaching out to him again, he immediately responded this time by calling his family to turn away from idols, turn away from false gods, turn away from false worship, turn away from impurities into worshiping the living God. Jacob did not take long this time. He did not um and ah and say, now what's in it for me? Is this really going to work? Who's going to do what? And you remember we've seen him before in all these stories of planning and manipulating and orchestrating. No, no, no. This time he turned around and he immediately delivered God's message to his family. Why? Because his life, like our lives, moves from disintegration to wholeness. It moves from slowness to immediate response to God. It moves from wanting to do His will to doing the will of God. And so Jacob remembers God's vision in Bethel 20 years ago. He remembers God's dream that He gave him 20 years ago. He remembers the vow that he made to the Lord in response to that vision. And there he remembers that God kept all of His promises. But Jacob didn't. (laughs) Jacob truly can look back and say, God is good all the time. Can you say that with me? God is good all the time. And all the time? That's exactly what Jacob was doing. He's overwhelmed by the grace of God. When he looks back at his life, (laughs) he can see God's hand of blessing. He can see and visualize God's hand of protection. He can visualize the faithfulness of God in the past. He can see the patience of God with him. Can you see the patience of God in your life? I sure can in my life. Remembering God's past blessings, secondly, releasing false idols. You know, one of Jacob's shortcomings is that he failed to instruct his family in the ways of God. Dads, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Jacob failed to teach his household. Jacob failed to do his part in modeling worship, in words, in life, in example, and by daily living in the adoring of the living God who has been faithful to him for 20 years. Jacob failed to instruct his household both in words and deeds. He failed to tell them about the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac. And so they go to Shechem and they make a mess of things. No wonder. They had false gods. They had idols. They had earrings. They had special clothing. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But dads, I want to tell you something. Listen to me, beloved friends. Learn from my failure. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how busy you are. Your primary responsibility is to be the pastor to your home is to be the teacher of your children, to be instructor in the Word of God. There is no greater and no more magnificent calling upon a father than to teach his children. But Jacob also failed in another area in his life. Jacob failed to keep the promise of giving God 10% in thanksgiving like he promised 20 years earlier. 
And so here in Genesis 35, God graciously gives Jacob another opportunity. He graciously gives Jacob another chance to keep his promise, to keep his vow. And this time, Jacob does the right thing. Verse 2, he immediately turns to his family, he turns to his household, and he says to them, okay, guys, I may have blown it before, but I want to get it right this time. Hand over these idols, hand over these earrings, hand over these clothings of sin. Why? Because from now on, we are going to give up false gods. From now on, we are going to give up false belief systems. From now on, we are going to give up false ideas about who God is. And the evidence of a changed heart is going to be a changed behavior. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Always the evidence of a changed heart is a changed behavior. There is no use saying that you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you're living like everybody else. The only evidence that the world has of a changed heart is a changed behavior. Let me ask you this. Is your behavior different from the world, from the people who don't know Jesus? Is your behavior different from the non-believers when it comes to sexual purity? Is your behavior different from the non-believers when it comes to lying and cheating and telling the truth? Is your behavior different from the rest of the world when it comes to gossiping and backbiting and hating and bitterness? Is your behavior different when it comes to living not by fear, but by faith, not in anxiety, but in trusting of the living God. Is it different? If it is not, then you need to hand those idols, hand them to the Lord, that they may be buried in Shechem. And that's what Jacob did. He took those idols, and he buried them. In other so many people running around and saying, you know, what we need to do in this country in order to have the life that it should be, we to change laws, and we need to, if you change the laws, everything is going to be great. Let me tell you, I am a great advocate of change laws. I believe with all my heart, all the laws are moral laws. It is whose morality they represent. Are they going to represent the pagan morality or the morality of the Bible? And therefore, I'm very strong advocate for change, laws, to reflect the God of the Bible and the character of the God of the Bible, because it is good for everybody, believers and non-believers alike. But you know and I know, until the hearts are changed, and that's exactly what we desperately need of to see hearts are changed, because behavior will change, and change in behavior will follow a changed heart. And so Jacob calls his family to purify themselves. Why? Because these idols and these earrings that were worn by both men and women in his household, and these special clothing that they wore certain times here, there were no harmless trinkets. They were not just simple ornaments that they wore. No, 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 no. No, no, no. They were evidence that Jacob's household kept them as a form of protection and security. 
In other words, they were trusting false gods for their safety. They were trusting false gods for their security. They were believing in black magic and divination for their security. And beloved, only you know if you are trusting your securities in something else other than the living God. And now, not anymore, not anymore. Now, back to that is God. Now, back to the only God who can truly keep them safe, not just now but for eternity. It is time to go back to the only God who can truly protect them. Remember God's past blessings. Release false idols. Thirdly, reaffirming of God's promises. After Jacob led his family into repentance, into true worship, after he led them into obedience to the living God, he now hears God reaffirming his promises that he gave him 20 years earlier. God, the gracious God, reaffirms the promise. Jacob been up and down. He did all kinds of cheating and lying, and God says, my grace is sufficient. He manipulated. Oh, God says, my grace is sufficient. He tried to do this and then the other. God says, my grace is sufficient. Twenty years later, he affirms his promises that he made to him and to his father Isaac before him and to his grandfather Abraham before him. What was it? That the Messiah is going to come through his line. You know, one of the great healthy exercises you can do to this afternoon or any time when you have time, go back to the Bible and pick up Luke 3 or Matthew 1 and start reading the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ and take it all the way back to Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. It's a great exercise. I promise you, you'll be blessed to see that the very promises that God was making to Jacob at this time of his life was fulfilled nearly 2,000 years later in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jacob built an altar, and there he changed the name one more time. Remember, he gave that name Bethel, the house of God, because there God gave him the vision, gave him the dream. And now he changes it once again, and he calls it El Bethel the God of the house of God, or the God of Bethel. And soon after changing the name or renaming it, Jacob finally keeps his vow, keeps his promise that he made 20 years earlier. He offers the Lord. He builds an altar, and there he pours and offers to the Lord the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and the adoration of the one true God. And so, I come full circle from where I began. The second law of thermodynamics may be that matter deteriorates and goes from good to bad, but I can tell you the truth, the whole truth, that the second law of Christian dynamics says, God's children the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will go from glory to glory. That God's children will move from good to great. That God's children will soar like eagles to greater heights. That God's children, far from disintegrating, far from deteriorating, 
they shall be daily renewed in Jesus Christ. Here's the law, according to Isaiah, the second law of Christian dynamics. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's the law, the second law of Christian dynamics. Somebody here today may say, well, Michael, what is the first law? Well, the first law is simply this, that you cannot begin this walk of victory, that you cannot begin this walk from glory to glory until you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and humility, receiving His forgiveness and receiving His payment on the cross to be for you. And that is the first law of Christian dynamics. You must come through the gate to the Lord Jesus Christ, and once you are redeemed, once you be born again, once your heart is regenerated, you can begin to experience the second law of Christian dynamics, moving from glory to glory. Father, it is mind-boggling and it's hard to fathom that the God of the universe hung the stars and gave them names. That very God cares for every detail in our lives. Father, we bless You this day. We thank You that for those who are Yours, they go from glory to glory. And Lord, if there's one single person here today have never come to You, this will be the day. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we, Your children, who are in disobedience, that we would wake up and realize that obedience will take us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.